As always, it's good to be with you this morning. I want to talk about repentance. I do remember um, sometime back holding a lesson on repentance, and you know, I remember saying it's really hard to um, not to talk about repentance without talking about confession. All right, so we'll. As we talk today, uh, the main focus of of the lesson, I would say, is trying to get us to understand what repentance is, what that looks like. Uh, but here again, confession will will be mingled in the lesson this morning. So, um, and I also want to say from the from the start, when I'm talking about repentance today, I'm I'm not talking about um, well, we'll say what I am talking about. I am going to be talking about after I become a Christian. What does that look like? Not how do I become a Christian? How is repentance involved in in that process? But once I am a Christian, uh, what is my responsibility there when sin has occurred? And so this um, this really came up um, about a month or so ago. Uh, me and a friend of mine were driving back uh, from Missouri, and um, we talked about the Bible a good bit, and of course, so we had some time in the truck, and um, we got to talking about uh, this topic. This topic came up uh, in the matter of um, marriage and divorce um, and having a, a spouse that I ought not have. And then I become a Christian. What, what does that look like? And so uh, it came up in that discussion. And then we talked, you know, uh, what about if I've stole a truck? Uh, and I've got, I'm driving this truck around and Evan comes, teaches me the gospel. What is my responsibility there? Uh, and so what does repentance, true repentance, look like in that situation? And so um, this all kind of came back up in my mind. And, of course, you know, me and him talked about it uh, there. And several hours later, I found myself uh, talking about it again with somebody else on the same day. You know, so I was like, you know, I, I need to, I need to focus on this and study this and, and be more prepared for this discussion of what is true repentance. What does that look like? So, you know, we'll talk today about how do I make a wrong right when I've wronged someone. Uh, what should I do when I have sinned and it involves others? Uh, and what should my attitude be? In this process, should I be trying to figure out what is the bare minimum that's required of me, or should I, my attitude be, I want to do all I can do to make things right. And so, let's start in the Old Testament. We'll start, we'll start there, uh, and we'll end in the Old Testament later in later in the lesson. That's where we'll wind up back again. But I want to start there to begin with, and look. Um, I think the passages we'll read, uh, in my mind, help us understand uh, how does God feel about uh, when I have wronged someone, uh, what, what's required or what should, what should my mindset uh, be. Exodus 22. Exodus 22, beginning in verse 1. And this will be a little bit of a lengthy reading, uh, but... Um, just bear with me. 
Exodus 22 and in verse 1, If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox or four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution if he has nothing. Then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is uh, certainly found alive in his hand, whether it's an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. If a man causes a, f- a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets his a- loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, and it is stolen out of, it, out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or for any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep, and it dies, is hurt or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both, that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept that, and he shall not make it good. But if in fact it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn to pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. And if any man borrows anything from his neighbor, and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it being with it, he shall surely make it good. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its hire. All right, and so... Turn to Leviticus. You might just hold your hand there, but turn over to Leviticus. Leviticus 6, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he has extorted from his neighbor... Or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely in any of those, these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what was stolen or the thing which was extorted or what was delivered to him for safekeeping or the lost thing which he found or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore to, it, to its full value and add one-fifth more to it and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. I think what you find here is that not only was the person supposed to restore what was stolen, uh, in all these cases he is to restore more than what he took, more than what uh, was wronged, either double or add a fifth. There was always something more to be done. It wasn't just uh, if you had stole $100, you restore the $100. It was more than $100. 
depending on uh, what it was. Uh, so we'll come. We'll, we'll we'll wind up in the New Testament in regards to that. But what I think you see is an attitude that should be had here. If I'm the one that has done the wrong, if I'm the one that has, in a lot of these cases, stolen, I have, I have sinned, it's my responsibility not only to restore what I have taken, but also to give more. I, I in, in the old law, would have been required to do more than just restore fully. Ezekiel. Ezekiel 33, Ezekiel 33, uh, beginning in verse 12. Ezekiel 33, and beginning in verse 12. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the children of your people, The righteous of the righteous man shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall because of it in the day that he turns from his wickedness. Nor shall the righteous be able to to live because of his righteousness in the day that he sins. When I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, but he trusts in his own righteousness and commits iniquity, none of his righteous works shall be remembered, but because of the iniquity that he has committed, he shall die. Again, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die if he turns from his sin and does what is lawful and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has stolen, and walks in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of his sons which he has committed, none of his sins which he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is lawful and right. He shall surely live. And so uh, here again, this idea of restoring, uh, restoring back uh, what was wrong. Now go over to Luke. Luke 19. Um, Many of you are probably familiar uh, with this story and dealing with Zacchaeus here. Uh, Luke 19 and in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. For he, and he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And so here you have this, you know, Zacchaeus uh, saying that if he, as a tax collector, has taken anything from anyone by false accusation, he's going to restore fourfold. So you have to think he's going back to the Old Testament to pull these principles. That's the only thing, only conclusion I think. Uh, that I could come to at least. And so, uh, what's Jesus' response? Is he saying, oh, Zacchaeus, no, no, no. You're not, you're not, you don't have to do that anymore. Uh, that's a matter of the old law. Uh, we're not, we're not going to worry about that. 
Or does Jesus correct him in any way? I don't think, that's not what we find here. Jesus, what's Jesus' response there in verse 9? Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. And so uh, Jesus uh, certainly doesn't uh, rebuke Zacchaeus here for his thinking, doesn't rebuke him uh, for what he has said. So if I, if I think about all those passages uh, from the Old Testament all the way through uh, Luke 19, uh, the question that I have to ask myself is, what do I learn uh, from God about how He feels about when I have sinned and when I have wronged someone in some way? What should my attitude be? Uh, that's the question that I think is, is worth uh, our time is trying to figure out what's the message there. How do I apply that? How do I, how do I take uh, that information and realize or, or think about what am I to do today? So another thing that I that I seem that I see uh, and have heard come up uh, several times in this in this discussion of um, Christian sinning uh, goes back around to verbal confession, uh, and so what I'd like for us to spend a little bit of time on uh, is looking at uh, verbal confession. Uh, when it is in dealing with uh, a private sin and a public sin. Uh, and then think about whose responsibility is it to get things back straight, to, for us to, uh, for me to correct a sin, for me to uh, fix things with my brother or with my brethren. Uh, whose responsibility is it? Uh, go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 23. Let's start in verse 21. Matthew 5 and in verse 21. You have heard that it was said of old, said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So there in verse 23, uh, if I'm bringing my gift there before the altar and I remember that my brother has something against me, so I remember that, uh, and I'm going to use Evan as an example a couple of times, but I remember that Evan has something against me. What, what am I to do before I worship, I am to uh, leave my gift there. I'm to, I'm to leave and I'm to go my way and be reconciled with Evan, to be reconciled with my brother. Can I do this without... Can, can, can this happen? Can this process happen? My question is, is can this process happen without somebody confessing? Somebody's going to have to say something. Somebody's going, we're going to have to work this out. All right? And so... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how we could come to a passage like this and say that um, somebody doesn't have to confess something here. Somebody's got to repent. There has to be uh, some reconciling that happens here. I don't think we can do that without talking about it. All right. Luke seventeen. Luke seventeen.
Luke 17 and in verse 3, Take heed to yourself, yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So, this is a case where my brother has sinned against me. In the other case in Matthew, I realize that my brother has something against me. So I, I'm going I'm going to him. Uh, my brother in this case has sinned against me. I have a responsibility to do what? My responsibility is to rebuke him. What's his responsibility? His responsibility, uh, first my responsibility is to rebuke him. His responsibility is to repent. And then my responsibility is what? To forgive him. So I've got two responsibilities here, all right? Um, what is entailed and if he repents? Go to verse 4. If he sins against you seven times a day and seven times a day returns to you saying, I repent. So there's confession that hap- is happening here. So repentance here also requires a confession. The confession by my brother saying, I repent. I have done this thing to you that I should not have done. I have sinned against you. I repent. So that here again, confession uh, being a part of this process. And then here again, I forgive him. So that's a part of it. That's part of my responsibility. James 5. James 5 and in verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so, here in in James, in in chapter 5, he's telling us to confess our trespasses to one another uh, so that we can pray for one another. Why? So that we can be healed. I hadn't really heard anybody disagree about how to handle a private sin. All right? And when I say a, a, a private sin, when I, when, I, when I say that in this context, I'm saying uh, me and Evan are out hunting and he makes me mad and I grab a stick and I knock him with it. Nobody else is around. It's just me and Evan. And so I've sinned against Evan. And so uh, that's what I would say. That's what I'm calling here a more, a more private type sin that, that's still between brethren, all right? Um, so, yeah, I need to tell Evan, I, I'm sorry, Evan, I repent. Will you please forgive me? I, I shouldn't have gotten mad at you. Uh, I lost my temper. I've sinned, and I've hit you with a stick. All right? Where I have heard folks disagree is in the matter of what I'm going to call here a more public type sin, all right? Um, and I'll just use myself as an example here. I have decided that I'm going to be a drinker. And I've been out all around and I've, I've been drunk. Everybody around town knows it. Y'all know it. We all know it. Um, I come back in here. I sit back down. And uh, the argument that I've heard made would be, well, there's no requirement of me to come before y'all and say I've done this thing I've, I've been around uh, and I've done this sin in the sight of all and therefore I ask for forgiveness 
I'm making this confession of my sin. I'm asking. I'm saying I repent of this. I'm having a change of heart. Um, and so that, 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 the argument that I've heard is that is not required. And so y'all all know that at the end of every service, at the end of this service, we're going to offer a time where if somebody has lived in such a way that is sinful, that is contrary, they haven't been doing what they ought to do, we give an opportunity for them to come forward uh, and, and repent of those things. Um, I want you all to think back to what we, what we read in the Old Testament uh, in Exodus and Leviticus uh, and Ezekiel. And then think about what Zacchaeus said. Um, so in my mind, the question then uh, becomes, whose responsibility is it to get all this cleared up? Here again, if I come back in the back pew, I'm sitting back there, is it your responsibility to know that I've repented? Is, I, is all that responsibility supposed to be on y'all? Or do I have responsibility here to clear this up? Now, I could, I do believe, go individually to every one of y'all and say, look, I, I, I've, I've sinned, I've done wrong, I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, but obviously from a, from a practical perspective, in order for me to clear myself with y'all, to let y'all know I, I have a change of heart, what's the, what's the easiest and maybe best way to handle that? And that, that's what our question needs to be in our mind is how, how do I make sure that I'm doing all of my part, that I'm trying to do the best I can do to make these things right? All right? Um, what do you think God's attitudes towards my attitude of, well, y'all should just be able to figure out that I've had a change of heart. How do you think God, you know, think back again to those passages in the Old Testament. How do you think God would feel about my attitude of that? That it's y'all's responsibility to figure that out that I've, that I've, I've now changed. You ought to know. Um, and really, you know, a lot of these things are going to come back to accountability, responsibility. And should I do all that I can do to clear these things up? Go to 1 John. First John 1 and in verse 9. First John 1 and in verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does God require when I've sinned? In order to get back right with Him, what does He require? He requires my confession to Him. He requires me to come to Him and confess my sins. And what? He's going to be faithful and just to forgive me, but i still got to confess those things. I still, have, I still have responsibility on my part. And so, I, I don't know how we could ever get in the mindset of, you know, well, well I, I, don't, I don't really think, you know, uh, we ought to require people to confess their sins uh, and to clear themselves uh, in this way. It seems to me to really go against uh, how God approaches how God expects me to approach Him when I've sinned. So, you know, are, are we to think that we're being more loving than God in that situation? Is, is that what we think? That, you know, well, well I'm not going to require that, but I know that God requires it. God requires it in order for me to get right with Him. He requires confession. Uh, and so, 
I don't know how we would think uh, any different when it comes between me and my brethren. Um, I don't know. I, I just I don't understand that thinking. I, I can't I can't figure out uh, how that that would mesh with Scripture, how that would mesh with the whole of Scripture when I try to put all these things together, when I try to figure out what should my attitude be, uh, how should I approach these things. And Evan's going to talk about uh, 2 Corinthians 7, and I think you know this idea of, of this clearing of yourselves uh, and, and, and trying to make every effort to make these things right. Because here again, I'm the one that's done wrong. It is on me. It's my responsibility uh, to make these things right. Go to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28 and in verse 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Let's finish up in Psalms 51. Psalms 51. First, let's go to 2 Samuel 12. Just hold your place there in Psalm 51. 2 Samuel in verse 12. I do think we learn some, in the, you know, in, in in light of our conversation this morning, we do learn uh, some from David about how he uh, he felt about uh, restoring, uh, making making things right. Second Samuel twelve and in verse one, then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, "There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor." The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and ate and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man, who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. 
you shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to the house. And so we see here that David, um, you know, when, when Nathan tells him the story about the poor man and the rich man and, and the poor man's lamb and the rich man coming and taking his lamb, David's anger is aroused in verse 5, says, says that man shall surely die. And he's going to restore fourfold for that lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And so, obviously, we, we've, we've, we read the rest of this and we understand that Nathan is trying to let, get David to understand his own sin that, he, that he's committed here. Uh, and David does. In verse 13, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. All right, and so Psalm 51 is... Uh, if you look at the beginning of this, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And so this right, Psalm 51 is, you know, David's, um, you know, looking into him uh, in, the, in that moment when after Nathan had come to him. And what I think we're going to find is uh, the heart that we should all have uh, when, we have, when we have sinned, when we have wronged uh, someone. Psalm 51 and verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth, in the inward parts and in the hidden part, you will make you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then you shall offer bulls on your altar. Look there at verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. I do believe that most of what we talked about today would be totally resolved if we had the proper hearts. You know, if we would look honestly at, at the Scriptures, look honestly at what has been said, look uh, to see what can I do. When I, when I have sinned, I just want to make things right. I want to have the attitude. I want to have the heart that, you know, if I look there, a broken and contrite heart, to me this speaks humility. If I would be humble, if I would uh, be who I should be, a lot of what we talked about today would not be an issue because I would want to clear myself. I would want 
to make things right. I would want to go and do anything to make that right between me and my brethren. Uh, and if that is our attitude, we will. We will do what is required of us. And so let us all be mindful of that. We're all going to be in a position uh, from time to time when we have wronged someone, when we have sinned against someone, uh, you know, and, and that being our brethren. Uh, you know, none of us in here are perfect. None of us in here um, are going to be sinless the rest of our lives. And so uh, let's be mindful of that. When that does happen, let's make sure that we are those of a humble spirit, those of a contrite heart, uh, and try to make uh, things right the best that we can. If there's any here today that do, do need to make uh, things right, do want the prayers of the saints here, we would ask that you would come forward as we stand and sing.